0: You're listening to New City Servant Podcast. We hope you're empowered and challenged as we root deep into God's word in order that we might grow in the good news of King Jesus and live as faithful citizens of his kingdom right here in our city. Let's get into the scriptures now. We're continuing our series on fruits of the spirit. And today we're going to be looking at the two fruit of the Spirit that is kindness and faithfulness. Kindness and faithfulness. Kindness is that, that warm-hearted generosity where you're willing to open up yourself to someone else's need and you're willing to bring God's goodness into their life in a practical way. A lot of people think kindness means niceness. And kindness is not the same as niceness. Niceness can be actually about being nice so that you don't have to get into your own stuff. Like, you're feeling insecure and so you just let someone walk over you. And that's not kindness. Kindness actually comes from this place of strength where I'm going to enter into your issue, your weakness, your vulnerability, and I'm gonna show you God's goodness in your place of weakness because the Holy Spirit's in me and has given me the strength to show that kindness. That's what kindness is. Faithfulness is a loyalty. It's a reliability. It's when someone goes, I said it, so I'm going to do it. I'm going to follow through with my word. And the opposite of faithfulness is being fair weather. A fair weather friend's only there when it's convenient for them. Someone who's not faithful gets caught up in the fear of missing out. So they don't think about what they've committed to. They don't think about what they've said they'll do. They're like, what's the greatest opportunity for me right now? And so instead of being committed or loyal or faithful, they're fair weather. We are picking these two fruit of the Spirit today because we often see the fruit of kindness and faithfulness in our mothers. Do we not? If you've got a mother, you probably have seen the kindness and faithfulness of God in the way that she has loved you and cared for you and raised you and I and I think there's something that God naturally did in mothers to make them kind and faithful. But I want to get real for a minute because mothers there are times, if I can say this, when you do not want to be kind. You get out of bed and you're like, I got to smack somebody. And there are times when it is very difficult to be faithful with your commitments day after day after day. And that's just not true of mothers. That's true of all of us. All of us struggle to be kind and to be faithful. Sometimes we can even be kind to get something back from the other person. Like we can be kind but have an ulterior motive. And that's not the fruit of the Spirit. That's a natural kindness to get something back. But, but God wants to produce a kindness in us that doesn't want anything in return. It gives ourselves away for the benefit of the other. And in our culture, our culture tells us right now at this moment that the only thing that you have to be faithful to is yourself. So if you want something, then go after and get it. The only person you got to be loyal to is yourself. And so we're constantly getting messages that what faithfulness means is a faithfulness to my own happiness. And the person that's faithful to their own happiness is not faithful to anything else nor any other commitment. And so while I want to applaud our mothers for being kind and faithful, I want to also recognize that we all struggle to be kind and faithful, and we need the supernatural help of the Holy Spirit to mimic God, God God-like faithfulness, God-like kindness. That's not natural at all. It's actually supernatural. And that's why we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And we're going to look at a story from the Old Testament, a story about the great King David and a man named Mephibosheth. Can you say that? Mephibosheth? No. Because, yeah, it was, it was not, I was not very confident, and I understand why. I had to sit in my room and like say it over and over, Mephibosheth, <laughs> because it's a hard one to pronounce. But Mephibosheth was the son of King David's best friend, Jonathan, and the grandson of King David's enemy, Saul. Saul. Jonathan Y'all got to give me grace on that one as I do it. <laughs> king Saul was the first king of Israel, but he did not follow the Lord. He was not faithful. And the Lord said, because you have disobeyed me, your son Jonathan and whoever comes in your family line will not sit on the throne. In fact, Saul, the Lord said, you're going to lose your kingship. You're going to lose the throne. You're going to lose the crown, and it's going to be given to David. And David will become king, which automatically, if you know the story, puts Saul against King David. And Saul spent much of his time angry at King David or trying to kill King David. But the ironic thing was that Saul's son, Jonathan, became best friends with David. And Jonathan realized that the Lord had spoken and he was not going to be king, that David was going to be king. And so Jonathan said, listen, David, he says this in 1 Samuel 20, 14. He says, if I continue to live, David, show me kindness from the Lord. But if I die, there's a chance that I might die at the hands of the Philistines. If I die, don't ever withdraw your kindness from my household. And David agreed. David made a covenant with Jonathan and said, I will not withdraw My kindness from your descendants, Jonathan, even if you die, I make a pledge, I make a promise, I will show kindness to your descendants. Saul was killed. Jonathan was killed. And the report of Saul and Jonathan's death came to their household. And the nanny of the grandson, the nanny of Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, realized that Mephibosheth himself might be in danger if granddad and dad were dead. So she picked up the five-year-old boy, Mephibosheth, and she ran. And in the running, in the scurrying, in the trying to get away, she dropped the five-year-old boy. And Mephibosheth ended up permanently not being able to walk. In that fall, his feet were permanently injured, and he was crippled. And where we come to in this story Mephibosheth is a grown man still unable to walk, and David has long been king. And we're going to see about the faithful kindness of the Lord. Let me pray, and then we'll launch right into 2 Samuel 9. God, we don't want to just muster up natural kindness or natural faithfulness. We want to bear the fruit of the Spirit. We want to be faithful like you are, God. We want to be kind like you are, God. And so we pray that this morning you would Deeply encourage us of this. You are first kind and faithful to us as your people. And through that kindness and faithfulness, we are transformed supernaturally so that we can show kindness and faithfulness to others. Be with me as I preach this morning. Be with us as we receive your word. Might it change our hearts deeply. And all God's people said, amen. Let's read 2 Samuel 9. David asked, is there anyone remaining from the family of Saul I can show what? Kindness to for Jonathan's sake. There was a servant of Saul's family named Ziba. They summoned him to David, and the king said to him, are you Ziba? I am your servant, he replied. So the king asked, is there anyone left of Saul's family that I can show the kindness of God too. Ziba said to the king, "There is still Jonathan's son who was injured in both feet." The king asked him, "Where is he?" Ziba answered the king, "You'll find him in Lodabar at the house of Makir, son of Amiel." So King David had him—that's Mephibosheth—brought from the house of Makir, son of Amiel, in Lodabar. Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David, fell face down, and paid. David said, Mephibosheth, I am your servant, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, since I intend to show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan, I will restore to you all your grandfather Saul's fields, and you will always eat meals at my table. Mephibosheth paid homage and said, What is your servant? that you take an interest in a dead dog like me. Then the king summoned Saul's attendant Ziba and said to him, I have given to your master's grandson all that belonged to Saul and his family. You, your sons, and your servants are to work the ground for him and you are to bring in the crops so that your master's grandson will have food to eat. But Mephibosheth Your master's grandson is always to eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Ziba said to the king, Your servant will do all my lord the king commands. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table, just like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a son whose name was Micah. All those living in Ziba's household were Mephibosheth's servants. However, Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. His feet had been injured. The word of God. Have you ever wondered what the blessings in your life or lack of blessings mean about God's posture towards you? I don't know if you're like me, but when my life feels blessed and my prayers are being answered in the way that I want them to, I feel like God has this loving posture towards me. But it feels a little differently when my prayers are not getting answered and I do not feel like my life is being blessed. I begin to question God's posture for me. When Virginia and I were first married, we were driving around in St. Louis, and we had had all these blessings come all at once in our life. We had, we had just gotten married, and so we had each other, and people had been very generous with helping us get our lives started, so we, we were showered with gifts. And then right about that time, the, the pastoral training school I was going to uh, gave me a scholarship and offered to pay my tuition. And then Virginia had gotten this really good job at a really good institution, and we were talking about all these blessings that we saw in our life. And then Virginia looked at me and said, what if, what if the blessings run out? Like, what if the blessings stop? And I kind of laughed a little bit. Like, I'm, a, I'm in pastor training school at the time. I'm like, well, the blessings, they don't really run out. But then I thought, well, but what if God stops blessing us in the way that he has been blessing us? Like, what if the next season of life doesn't have the same blessings as this season of life? And then all of a sudden, I felt anxious and nervous. And I don't know if you've ever been there. My guess is that as you look at the seasons where you've been blessed and you've looked at the seasons where you've not been blessed and the blessings come and the blessings go and the tragedies come and the tragedies go, my guess is that your heart can't help be a little bit suspicious about God's posture towards you. We all have deep heart questions, we all have things that we have experienced that have caused pain in our life, And we all have things that have come into our life unexpectedly that have brought us great and deep joy. And there doesn't seem to be any sort of formula. And so we have these deep questions. And we have this suspicion. And we wonder, what is God's posture towards me as a child of God? As one who's given their life to Jesus, what is God's posture towards me? Well, I want to tell you this morning, I want to put confidence in you, that God's posture towards you, if you are his child through Jesus Christ, God's posture towards you is one of faithfulness. It's one of kindness. It's one of deep love for you, the same kind of love that he has for his son, Jesus Christ. God is faithful, and God is Kind. That is who he is, and is. If you are in Jesus Christ, his posture towards you does not change. It does not change. If you know Jesus, he is kind and he is faithful to you, and he has committed himself to that for you. Years have passed since Mephibosheth was dropped. When he was five years old, that's when he was dropped. That's when the tragedy happened. And years later, David is alone. He's probably at the height of his kingdom. He's on the throne. He's wearing the crown. And at that moment, he remembers the pledge of faithful kindness that he made to Jonathan. And he says, is there there anybody? Is there anybody that I need to fulfill this pledge to? Look what he says in verse 3. He says, So the king asked, is there anyone left of Saul's family that I can show the kindness of God to? Now, it's really interesting that David there does not say my kindness. says the kindness of God. The kindness of God. Is there anyone that I can display God's kindness to from Saul's family because I made a pledge to do that? Now, that word kindness does not mean niceness. That's too tame. This word kindness, to use to describe God, comes from the Hebrew word hesed, hesed, hesed. You might remember that word from when we went through the series on Ruth. I see you nodding, you remember. But hesed, hesed is part of the attributes and character of God. And hesed is something like this. Hesed is a commitment and a promise in an unwavering faithfulness to bring kindness and love into someone's life. See, kindness isn't enough because kindness is like, I can choose to be kind when I want to or based on how you treat me, but but Hesed love, what, what, what's really behind this word kindness is a faithful commitment. I'm going to bring kindness into your life whether you're ready for it or not. I'm going to bring kindness into your life because I committed to do so. And nothing you can do can stop me from keeping the pledge that I made. It's a beautifully deep word. Hesed is not flighty but faithful. This faithful kindness is not inconsistent but committed and consistent. And David uses this word not to describe his own kindness but God's kindness. Because God is a God of Hesed. Faithful kindness. Unwavering commitment to bring love into people's lives. And, and that kindness doesn't waver. It doesn't go up or down. That Hesed part of his character doesn't stop or turn off or turn on. If life is good, God is still full of Hesed love. If if life is bad, he's still faithful and kind. And so when you experience things in your life that you don't want to be there or that are painful or that are tragic, it does not mean that God has stopped being a God of Hesed. God is still kind even when our lives feel like they're lacking the blessings, even when our lives feel like we're surrounded by bad circumstances, or even when tragedy enters, like with Mephibosheth, His feet still do not work, yet the Lord is bringing his kindness into Mephibosheth's life through David's commitment. Mephibosheth had been laying low, but God is going to be kind through David, even though Mephibosheth's feet are not getting fixed. In verse 7, it says this, This is when Mephibosheth comes before David. And you can imagine Mephibosheth doesn't understand why he's going before David. It could be that David wants to wipe out all the descendants of Saul. And so the first thing David says in kindness is do not be afraid. Mephibosheth, do not be afraid, David said to him, since I intend to show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all your grandfather Saul's fields, and you will always eat meals at my table. The kindness of David. No, David is displaying the kindness of God by honoring the pledge of kindness that he made to Mephibosheth's deceased father, Jonathan. God has not changed throughout this whole story. Even in the midst of Mephibosheth's tragedy, God was faithful and kind. In the midst of the blessing, God is faithful and kind. If Mephibosheth only sees his life in light of the tragedy, he will actually miss the kindness that God is about to bring into his life through David. I don't know if you struggle with that at all. If you often have something that you want and it doesn't happen or you have a tragedy come into your life and then you let that circumstance that you don't like define the character of God. Rather than looking at the character of God and saying, God is faithful and kind, now help me to see my circumstances differently. Help me to see my circumstances through the lens of a God who is always faithful to me as his child and who is always kind. If Mephibosheth only sees the fact that he's unable to walk, he will miss what God is about to do for him through David. That is, Mephibosheth, the one who has no family to protect him, is about to get land in the promised land. From the house of Saul, the archenemy of David, David is about to restore that land to him to show him the Lord's Kindness. Too often, we miss the kindness that God wants to show us because we're so focused on the bad things that have happened in our life. And those bad things become bigger and bigger so that we only see God through the lens of the challenges or the lack of blessings or the tragedies that have happened. And we end up like Naomi from that story, Ruth, that we covered last fall. If you remember, her name was Naomi, but she said, call me Mara, call me bitter." Because the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. And yet if you read through the story of Ruth, you know that the Lord is working practical hesed, practical kindness to take care of her the whole time. He never stopped. She just didn't have the eyes to see it. Because she was so focused on the tragedy. And for us, we've got to get honest about this. We've got to get honest about how we really see God, that suspicion that we have. Because let's be honest, if you and I are trying to grow in the fruit of the spirit of kindness, in the fruit of the spirit of faithfulness, but we do not believe that God is kind, and we do not believe that God is faithful, how in the world are we going to grow in kindness and faithfulness? We have to come to a point where we deeply hold on by faith that no matter what comes in our life, the character of God has not changed. He is kind and he is faithful. His hessid love never shuts off. And maybe you've missed that in your own life. Maybe the tragedies or the lack of blessings have been so big that you've missed how God has sent people in your life just to care for you in practical ways because he's kind. And maybe you didn't see it, but there was like an unexpected provision that came into your life when you needed it, but you were so hung up over the tragedy, over the bad circumstances that you missed that God was still faithful to you. And that's just the thing. God's kindness and faithfulness is often shown to us through the actions of each other. In other words, God's kindness and faithfulness, just like in the story, it's not magical. It comes through us, to each other. The kindness of God came to Mephibosheth through David. The faithfulness of God came to Mephibosheth because David kept his promise. And when we act the kindness and faithfulness of God is put on display for for each other. When we see someone's vulnerability and we step in and we say, I'll take care of you. When we make a commitment, when we make a promise to someone and another opportunity comes along that would advance us but would not help that person and we say no to the opportunity, I'm gonna keep my commitment to this person. We are displaying the character of God. That's the fruit of the Spirit in us of kindness and faithfulness. When your marriage is difficult, but you remain faithful, that is the fruit of the Spirit at work in you. When someone disrespects you publicly, and you're right about to clap back at them, but you say, I'm not going to let them walk all over me, but here is my opportunity to show kindness, not out of weakness, but out of strength. When an opportunity comes up that betters you, but breaks your word, you keep your word. That is the faithfulness of God at work in us. So the reality is you and I struggle with thinking God is like flighty and moody and vindictive, but that's just because you and I are flighty moody, and vindictive, and we assume that God is like us. So, you know, you see these memes where people say, God is going to grant you success so that you can prove all your haters wrong. You can hang it over your haters' heads. That's not the character of God. That's our pettiness. That's simply us projecting our pettiness onto God. Just remember this, first of all, that you're somebody else's hater. So you don't want to be on the opposite end of that. But here's the reality. God's goal of blessing you is not to prove everyone else wrong. It's not so that you can hang, over, hang your success over everyone else's heads. Rather, God is blessing you with kindness so that you can be a blessing to your haters, to your enemies, to the people that oppose you. That's exactly what David does. David's made it, man. He's on the throne. Saul came after him and tried to kill him time after time after time. Here's his opportunity. Mephibosheth can't walk. I've got all the land. I'm on the throne. But no. How can I show the kindness of God? How can I keep my word to the descendant of my enemy? So look what he does in verse 9 through 10. Then the king summoned Saul's attendant, Ziba, and said to him, I have given to your master's grandson all that belonged to Saul and his family. You, your sons, and your servants are to work the ground for him, and you are to bring in the crops so your master's grandson will have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, is always to eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants." So he, he restores the land, and at that point he could have said, I gave you the land back, figure it out, Mephibosheth. But he doesn't. See, Mephibosheth can't farm the land. He's still in need. He's gotten the land back. That was his family. Out of David's kindness, he's gotten land in the promised land, but that doesn't help a man that can't walk and can't grow crops and can't farm. Here's David's opportunity. Zeba. That was, he was the servant of your family, Mephibosheth, and now your servant's serving me. But he doesn't do that. He gives Mephibosheth the land back and then says, Ziba and all his family will go and work the land for you. I'm going to give these servants back to you that because they're from your family, but I, I want to set you up. I want to set you up and show you God's kindness because you can't walk. The land doesn't do you any good if you don't know how to farm it, if you can't stand up. Rather than showing up the descendant of his enemy, David steps in to bless the grandson of his hater, to show faithful love and kindness to Mephibosheth. See, your successes aren't opportunities you to put others down. Rather, your successes are opportunities for you to show God's kindness that he's shown to you. And really, listen, you can only show undeserved kindness to someone else. You can only show undeserved kindness to your enemies when you realize that God's kindness to you is undeserved. In verse 8, Mephibosheth says this, Mephibosheth paid homage. That means he bowed before King David and he said, What is your servant that you take an interest in a dead dog like me? Say, Dead dog. Dead dog. Feels weighty to say that. I can picture Mephibosheth laying down on the ground, unable to get up, and saying, Dead dog. See, he was surrounded by shame and powerlessness. His family had been high in power, power, and now he's laying prostrate before the king. He had no father to protect him from his enemies. His grandfather had been tall and handsome, and now here he is laying low. In fact, his name, that last part of his name, Bosheth, actually means Shame. And so every time his name was said, he heard the word shame. Every time he had to go somewhere, he couldn't do it on his own, and he felt his own powerlessness. I can't do anything in my life without help. I have no power. I'm surrounded by shame. I am a dead dog. Why are you showing me this kindness, David. And so Mephibosheth is surprised by the faithful kindness of the king because he sees that it's undeserved for a dead dog like him. You know, one of the great tragedies that could happen in your life is if you live as if you deserve the Lord's faithfulness. A great tragedy could happen in your life if you feel like God owes you kindness. God doesn't owe us anything but judgment. Before him, we are spiritual dead dogs. In our sin, we have broken his commandments. In our rebellion, we have given him uh, you know, the cold shoulder, and in our refusal to put him first, we have been separated from him. And his posture towards those who are separated from him is his posture towards sin, which is wrath and judgment and separation. You and I, by ourselves, are spiritual dead dogs. We don't deserve his faithfulness, we're not owed his kindness. And yet, God is faithful. And God is kind, and in his kindness to a spiritual dead dog like you, he sent Jesus to die on the cross and pay for your sins so that you would not remain under his wrath, so that you would not remain separated from him, but through repenting and believing in Christ Jesus, you would be restored. Amen. It's not deserved, it's not earned, it's not owed to you. Rather, the Lord has given you Jesus. In his kindness. Look how Titus says it in chapter 3. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy. Through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit, he poured out his spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that having been justified by his grace, we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. See, part of God's kindness to you is that in his kindness, he sent Jesus. But also in his kindness, he is withholding his judgment. He's withholding his wrath. He's withholding his anger against sin to give you the opportunity to repent and trust in Jesus Christ. In Romans, it says that it is his kindness that leads us to repentance. Do you really think any one of you who judges those who do such things yet do the same that you will escape God's judgment? Or do you despise the riches of his kindness, his restraint, and patience, not recognizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? Because of your hardened and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment is revealed. So not only is Jesus coming an act of God's kindness, but his withholding of his wrath to give you a chance to repent, that comes from his kindness as well. He doesn't want to bring his judgment against you. He wants to see you turn to Jesus Christ. And so when you think about God's kindness, the question is, have you opened up your hands and received it? Have you turned away from your rebellion against God? Have you turned away from your refusing to submit to God and instead lowered yourself as a spiritual dead dog before the cross? That's your opportunity. That's that's what he wants you to do grab onto out of his kindness. He wants you to know Jesus Christ. And when you do, when you do come in a relationship with Jesus Christ, the amazing thing is it's not about the stuff then that God gives you. It's rather that you get God. You get God in your life. Jesus becomes your Lord. God becomes your Father. The Holy Spirit comes in you to produce the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And God's posture towards you permanently changes from wrath and judgment to kindness and faithfulness. The king becomes your father. You become part of his family. You get to be part of the new creation when Jesus comes back and you get God. And that's really what this story is pointing us towards The anointed king of God, David, who reigns on the throne, he gives Mephibosheth land. And he gives Mephibosheth servants. But the stuff that Mephibosheth gets is not the point. I made it real simple so you wouldn't miss it. Let's look at verse 7 through 13. This is just the highlights from those verses. You will always eat meals at my table but Mephibosheth is always to eat at my table so Mephibosheth ate at David's table just like one of the king's sons Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table his feet had been injured the point wasn't the the king's stuff The point that was by recognizing he was a spirit, he was a dead dog, that he could receive the king's kindness and faithfulness. And it wasn't about the stuff that the king got him. It was about getting to be in the presence of the king meal after meal after meal. It was not just on special occasions or Sunday dinners, but he was always to eat at the king's table. Not as an awkward guest or someone who's just tolerated, but as one of the king's sons. Always. See, the greatest expression of kindness and faithfulness, the greatest expression of God's hesed for you as his people is not the stuff you get or the blessings you get or how he takes you out of tragedy or withholds blessings. It's the fact that you are welcomed to the table of God. You have relationship with him, not on occasion, but always. But always. Not as an awkward guest, but a fully forgiven sinner who has the status of child of God marked on you. You are a beloved son. You are a beloved daughter. And it is if the father says to you, welcome to my table Rest in my faithfulness. Soak in my kindness. Know me, the God of Hesed. Sometimes you will experience great blessings, and sometimes you will experience great tragedies, but never doubt my faithful kindness to you. Never question my faithfulness to you. Because of Jesus, you are always welcome to the king's table, my table know that that is the Lord's posture to you. In Jesus Christ, you are always welcome before God. With that in mind, we come to this table. The table where sinners are welcome to experience the kindness and faithfulness of the king. And this table is for weary mothers, who have given all their faithfulness, who have given all their kindness and need to be renewed by Jesus' faithfulness and Jesus' kindness to them. This table is for people who say, I'm a spiritual dead dog. Without the mercy of God, without the kindness of God, I am in trouble. This table is for people who have repented from their rebellion and trusted in in Christ. And no, it's not about them and their deserving to be welcome at the table. Rather, it's about the king's kindness to invite them to the table. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he sat at the table with his disciples who thought they were hot stuff, but they themselves were spiritual dead dogs. Right? They would abandon him. They were not faithful. And yet Jesus in his kindness broke the bread and said, this is my body given for you. Take and eat. In a similar way, Jesus took the cup. And for people that would abandon him and people that would struggle to be faithful, he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of your sins. Take and drink. If you are here today and you've turned away from your sins, you've turned away from your rebellion, and you've trusted in Jesus Christ, you are walking with a body of believers in a local church, you are welcome to the king's table. This is for you. But if you're here today and you're not walking with Christ, you've not repented, you've not surrendered to the king, you're not part of a local church, let me encourage you just to abstain from coming forward. We're not here to pretend. We're not here to play. This isn't a religious ritual. This is about feasting with the king whose body was broken for you and me, who who spilt his blood that you and I might be restored to God. And so if you're not following Jesus, we just ask you to stay in your seat and pray. But if you know you're a spiritual dead dog, you know you need his kindness and faithfulness, and you've given your life to him, run to the table. He welcomes you.